Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis, your intrepid reporter from the Florida Keys. This week's episode is number 62, Free Dive, Snorkel, Hookah, Scuba. What's the scoop? Well, I'll tell you in just a few minutes. So hang in there. <laughs> On my website, catchoutdoors.com, I've added both my earlier books once again for purchase with discounts for the holidays. The discounts also include shipping. Those copies are signed and are first edition prints. So uh, jump on it while you can. They are moving. So I've got a few left. Got more than a few left. Got quite a few still left. But get on there as soon as you can because I know as we get closer to Christmas, people start to do that panic shopping stuff. I've also added a copy of my coming soon for the new book, uh, Take a Kid Fishing, an adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling. Um, so the title's at the printer. As I've said before, We're it, it's getting close. I got, I got a good feeling about this. So uh, go ahead and check out that website for me, catchoutdoors.com. Special announcement. <laughs> Catch Outdoors will now run 40 to 45 minutes. Yep, that's right. I'm going with an extra 10 to 15 minutes to blabber. It's all good. I've, I found that I've been trying to hurry things along at the end, and that's not fair to listeners or me for that matter. I've been getting a few emails and texts with questions that should have been part of the podcast in the first place, and I started realizing that when I'm reading. I'm thinking, you know, did I, didn't I say that? No, I guess I didn't. Tend to get rushed for time at the end there, you know, kind of eyeballing a clock. I'm not going to do that anymore. So it's, they're going to run 40 to 45. Yes, that means that you might have to sit through one more short ad because they get added automatically based on time of recording. So, uh, but I think it's worth it. Heck, I got a lot to say. Let's start off with uh, fishing in the Florida Keys. Been very good. Uh, summer left, never ever left us down this way. Um, we had one and only one cold front make it down to the Keys, and it made very little change in the overall temperatures, uh, if any. It was a little cooler in the morning. However, we're now at summer temperatures again without the miserable humidity, which is really nice. Yesterday hit 86. I believe it was 89 in Miami yesterday. Um, my kayak fish midweek had a great day doing the CUDA thing once again. Uh, they are like merciless. <laughs> I mean, I am not going to fault as I've said before, catching them. I like catching goudas. Their action, they jump, they go crazy. They're mean little suckers, so they're kind of fun to catch. Um, their smile is a little intimidating, but other than that, I did have a few snapper mixed in, a couple of breakoffs. Uh, I even saw a couple fish that I have never seen before. I'm going to have to look it up to figure out what in the devil they're called. Um, something in the backwater. Very silvery, forked tail. We used to call them sand perches, but I know that's not what they really are. So I have to do some lookups to see see what's going on there and try to cure my break-offs by perhaps adding a little wire or a little heavier leader. Uh, stuck with Gulf Swim Mullet. Um, those are the pearl white ones, um, on Z-Man jig heads. That's just been working for me. So there's no point in really changing. I tried changing out as I mentioned on a podcast several weeks ago. Um, and it just, it, it did okay, but not as good as those pearl white, uh, swimming mullet gulp. So, uh, if you haven't used the jig heads, the Z-Man jig heads, check those things out. I'm, I'm becoming a very big fan of those. I've, I've used a lot of jig heads in my life of time. It's yeah, a lot. Um, 
because I'm old. <laughs> but these things are really unique. Um, multiple sizes. Uh, the heads are not painted. They are, they're a very natural, kind of a just a, a lead silvery color. Uh, but the eyes are what make them. They The eyes come in multiple colors. I've had probably the best luck with the green, bright green kind of chartreuse look and also the yellow eyes. Um, the reds, meh, not so much. And I've tried some other of their colors, but but that that one color, that bright, that bright, green, I guess you could, lime green, I guess you call it, has been the best for me. Um, and I've mixed it up between two different weights, one extremely light, it's about an eighth ounce, if, yeah, about an eighth, and then the other one's a quarter ounce. Um, water a little deeper, I'm going quarter for the ultra shallow stuff, which I fish quite a bit of, I've been sticking to the eighth ounce, and that's been working real good. I explored a new area in the far reaches of Largo Sound last week. Uh, water has been very high due to the king tides, uh, so access was great. I believe that this is the last of the king tides, no, the November um, highs, I think, are the last ones. Uh, we might get m one at early December on the moon, but I haven't heard them talk about it. Uh, and if you're not aware of what this is all about, if you don't live in an area that are affected by them, um, the king tides are... Uh, they're oceanic primarily, not saying they can't occur in the Gulf. They can, but uh, they're just unusually high. Um, and I mean like over the dock high, uh, lots and lots of water and salt intrusion, which can be a problem in some places, uh, but it should settle down as the moon moves a little bit further away from the earth. So we'll, we'll see. Fishing this week will proceed as part of my commitment to myself to fish once or twice every week in combo with riding the bike and doing hiking and walking and anything else I can come up with. I've, I've started to work on a video project too for my YouTube channel. So it's, it's, I'm kind of mixing all this together. I'm, I'm out doing uh, videos, uh, drone shots and things like that to start putting together uh, my first video for the channel. And I want to make it good. So yeah, I'm taking my time with it. It'll, it'll get out there. My motto is stay busy, stay healthy, you know. This week's subject, free diving, snorkeling, hookah, scuba. But there's one of them you probably don't know what it is. The other three you probably do. But I figured, you know, after yesterday, I, I have to talk about this. Um, all involve water to some extent. And I, I personally like either being on it or in it. So it kind of fits my, fits my need. Let's put it that way. Uh, free diving is a pretty big deal in the Florida Keys and in other world areas where crystal clear water exists. I'm going to start with that one. Um, its advantages, of course, is you don't have anything on but a bathing suit. Some people don't do that. <laughs> Video at 11. No, seriously, it's, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, Basically, you are taking in um, gulps of air on the surface. Some folks hyperventilate, breathe deep, hold the breath, and dive. And then you can let a little breath out as you go uh, for the sink rate, but most don't. Um, a snorkel and a mask are part of the gear. Obviously, you're not breathing through the snorkel unless you're on the surface. Um, however, the flippers, the fins, are unusually long, four feet. In some cases, I mean, we're talking a whole lot of fin to power you down, and the fins are very unique to free diving. Uh, it's it's the biggest use for it that I have seen in the Florida Keys is for um, uh, spear diving, spear fishing, um, 
the guys that, and gals, for that matter, that like to do this are working over those reefs that are generally 25 to 30 feet deep off the edges, where it's legal, of course, and going after grouper, mutton snapper, yellowtail, things like that, uh, that are free swimming. So basically, you're swimming down, aiming, firing, and trying to get a fish in one shot. I don't have a problem with it. The only thing that you have to be very, very cautious of in that realm is that it has to be um, legal fish. And I've watched several videos by people who know what they're doing, and they said, you got to be really careful because quite honestly, and I know this to be true, fish look bigger underwater. Um, so you really have to be able to gauge size and understand that you can't, it's not a measurement. If a fish is requirement is 18 inches, you better be damn sure it's 18 or better. So you better shoot at a fish that you think is 24 inches so to kind of give you an idea. But that's what it's mostly used for. Breath training is important. I've seen videos on how people condition themselves for this. This is not for old people like me. I would say it's for younger people. Um, you know, good breath control, the art of relaxing underwater. I mean, I've seen quite a bit about this. It's very interesting. Um, these guys almost do a Zen type thing where they, you know, if, if the excitement hits them underwater and they miss a fish, they very calmly go to the surface. They very calmly lay on the surface, breathing and relaxing to get ready for the next dive. And the idea is to be in water clear enough to see the target even before you start the dive. So that's that's kind of the game here, but very interesting. So that's what free diving is all about, just like it sounds. You're, you're using no specialized equipment to get to the bottom, just you. Uh, and some people do it for photography too, by the way, and video. So some video is shot free diving, which um, I like it. I, you know, it's very natural looking. A lot of times in the industry, Florida uses it for models. So if somebody's modeling a, a lady's bathing suit or a lady's gear in diving, they'll do free dives uh, to kind of show that off. So I think that's kind of cool. Second in line is uh, snorkeling. Yeah, baby. That's my gig. Um we spent yesterday snorkeling. So uh, Janelle and I went down to Pinnacamp uh, State Park and did one of their reef dives, uh, snorkeling, I should say, reef snorkeling trips, and uh, went out to one of the local reefs and snorkeled on the reef. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Equipment-wise, it's Anyone can do this, okay, from kids on up, as long as you can swim. That's pretty much it. And if a kid is learning to swim, they can still snorkel, provided you put them in a life jacket. It's going to restrict their movement quite a bit, but at least they'll be able to put their face in the water and and look around. I, I don't know. I mean, speaking of my youth, I remember... You grew up in Florida and you have big rainstorms and it creates these puddles typically on near creeks and things like that. And uh, you'll see things like tadpoles and minnows and stuff. And guess what? You know, we used to take a glass jar or a glass, you know, with a with a clear bottom on it or, or in the case of a mason jar was really great and stick them in the water and use them as a viewfinder. Um, if you stick it underwater, you can obviously see everything through the jar. If you can find a bucket with a glass bottom on it, that's even better. And some people made those for sale when I was a kid. Um, so that's basically what snorkeling is. The only difference is you're in the water with your face in the water uh, with a mask on. So a mask, um, snorkel, uh, fins, uh, that's about it. I mean, that's really all you really need to snorkel. Um, and then, of course, any specialized gear you want to take along with you. In my case, the specialized gear happens to be a GoPro camera, something that will shoot pictures underwater so I can take videos or take still shots uh, when I'm cruising over the reefs. 
My advice is spend the money, but not until you've tried it. So in other words, when you do a snorkel trip and you use the snorkel provider's gear, which is very common here, you, you sign up for a snorkel trip and then you say, okay, yes, I need a mass snorkel and fins. And those are at a price or, or furnished for you. Um, they're not the best equipment in the world, but they get the job done. Um, obviously, the supplier is trying to make a little money on trips, so they're not going to spend a fortune on masks and things like that. And you can spend quite a bit on a quality mask. So keep that in mind. But as time goes by and you're and you're you're doing the snorkel thing, and you find that you really really like it. Then by all means, up your equipment. Um, we did that a couple of years ago when we were living in Fort Lauderdale. We we like to snorkel off the beach, and it made a huge difference. It eliminates the tiny little leaks around the edges of the mask, the snugness of fit, the temper of the glass, the ability of the glass to refract light more naturally. So you actually see better underwater when you've got the mask on. So things like that come come with the price. So spend the money if you if you like it, and otherwise just give it a try first, and then kind of go from there. Snorkeling can be done on the West Coast. Something that I I know that my wife did when we lived in Fort Myers, as well as many other people did. Um, they would put a mask and fins on and snorkel onto shell on the on the edge of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, those of you that are not familiar, the the Gulf waters. As you walk down the beach in the Gulf of Mexico, when you walk into the water, there's this there's this step, this little shelf that you drop off of if you keep walking where you go from ankle deep to eh, a little better than knee, sometimes thigh deep, depending on how big the drop-off is. And then from there on out, it stays about the same as, and then gets gradually deeper and deeper until you hit another sandbar and up you come. So you got this trough, basically. And snorkeling in that trough or on that edge, you can find all kinds of shells that haven't made it to the beach yet. So it's, it's an ideal way to, to one-up anybody else that's walking the beach looking for shells. Um, Obviously, nighttime, it's not possible. Yeah, you could do it, but I'm a little worried about sharks in the Gulf of Mexico, especially at night on the edge of the water. I don't think I'd be doing that, but that's your call, Um, and especially with lighting, things like that. But daylight, it's really fabulous, and it gives you a good chance to, to really work an area over more thoroughly than just coasting along on your feet along the shore, you know, looking into the water, hoping to find that special shell. So it does get used on the West Coast quite often, much more so than you would imagine. In my younger days, when my brother and I fished over there quite a bit, there are several rock piles that you'll find along the coast off of Captiva and up around the uh, uh, other islands like Kea Costa, stuff like that. There'll be these rock piles. And we used to fish in there for, we'd get like a lot of sheep's head and stuff. Every now and then we'd pop a mask and fins on, jump in the water about uh, it's no deeper than what, 13 feet, 12, 13, 14 feet. Dive down, take a look. What is that? What is, what's holding these fish? What's there? And in most cases, the water is plenty clear enough to see what you're in a keys water it's not crystal clear but it's plenty clear enough to see what you're what's going on and certainly help you with your future fishing in the keys there are hundreds of snorkeling charters i mean reasonably priced and a ton of fun so highly recommend that you try it if you come down this way um Key Largo is known as the diving capital of the world. <laughs> every 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 area of the Florida Keys has something. It's like, you know, you get down to Isle of it's the fishing capital of the world. So, uh, but we are the dive capital of the world up here, and they have snorkel charters like you would not. They're a hundred or more. Uh, my wife, Janelle, went out, like I said, on Sunday to Pinnacamp. Uh, that was our third time. Yes, we like it. Uh, water was a little choppy. Visibility was a little 
off, but still real good. Let me put let me put it that way. The visibility was actually just fine. It's just that you know it can be better when the water is really calm. But this the water kind of chopped up um, over the over the evening, so it was a little little off, but not too bad. Total trip time is about two and a half hours out of Penny Camp. That's normal. Normally you you'll meet at like eight in the morning. You'll be back at the dock by eleven. Um, the cost is lower if you bring your own gear. Uh, so the set, the price for most snorkels is about uh, group snorkels is about forty dollars uh, per person, and then you add money for the mass fins and snorkel if you don't own them. And in, in the case of this trip, uh, Penny Camp's trip, I think is about thirty nine dollars for um, uh, the trip itself per person, and then you add uh, seventeen dollars total if you need the mask snorkel and fins so uh pretty, not a not a bad deal you get to keep the snorkel as a souvenir for sanitary reasons <laughs> so yeah quote souvenir for the trip for sanitary reasons yeah that's that's how they word it trips like this are set for many different areas so in other words the, the trip itself is set generally for one so in other words if you're going to go on one of these type of trips uh like the penny camp trip or others where there's a group boat where there's a whole bunch of people i don't well, i don't say a whole bunch i think our boat probably had 30 on it uh, the boat's a good size so that really wasn't that wasn't that bad um but sometimes you go out there on an off day and it'll only be 10 maybe 12 people on board so you kind of just take your chance. This was a seasonal trip, obviously. We went on Sunday morning, which is, this is the, the last day of the Thanksgiving break. So it was, it was I won't call it crowded. Not Nothing like Saturday. Saturday was a zoo down here in the Keys. Um, but anyway, the, the trips are pretty much planned for one location. Um, they'll pick a reef, usually based on weather, winds, things like that. Um, and head out for it. And, and the, as a matter of fact, this was kind of wild. Being this was our third trip, we actually went to our third spot. So we've actually seen three different areas out there now when we've done the snorkel trip, which I find pretty cool uh, because all of them are a bit different in, in structure and in features. They, um, the very first one we did was, oh, water was crystal clear that day. Um, it was more of a, a, a very flat, broad area with a reef that almost stuck out of the water. So in other words, with the tide the way it was at the time, which wasn't low, low, but lower than, than you know, lower than a mid tide, close to low tide. The rock tips were visible when we pulled up uh, with the boat and we were warned about, you know, the number one thing you cannot do. This is a marine sanctuary, so you cannot touch, mess with, stand on pick up show to a friend in your hand nothing you 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 can't you swim the only thing in the water is your body that's it you're not going to mess with anything else you're not going to be handling touching kicking whatever and you have to be very careful very strict about those rules and they should be because they take a lot of divers and a lot of snorkelers out there and you want it to be there for others to enjoy and the only way that's going to happen is if you don't accidentally do something stupid so or do it on purpose for that matter um so this one was very shallow, and it was beautiful. The, because the uh, water was so low, you had this clarity that you'd have to see to believe. Um, you don't have the extra volume of water in the way of the reef itself, so it was really quite spectacular. Uh, second time we went, we went to an area that had a deep drop-off edges. Um, so in other words, you had a reef, but then around it you had... Uh, drop off said, I'm going to guess went to 20, 25, 30 feet of water over a reef that was typically in about five to maybe eight feet of water. And that's, that's more typical of what you'll see when you go out there. 
much more fish, many, many more fish than the first trip we went on. The first one was more just the beauty of the coral and the, and the sea fans and things, the, the, sea, the, the coral life on the reef. The second one had a, a nice little mixture. The third one, the one that we just went on, I've never seen so many fish. This was really, really lots and lots of schools of fish, uh, grunts, uh, yellowtail, uh, I even saw a fairly large school of barracuda, and I didn't know they schooled up like that. I always thought barracuda were fairly uh, independent swimmers, and and when you do deep dives and you encounter cudas, that's typically the way it is. This dive, I would say, out over off the edge of the reef, uh, kind of where the reef turns to sand. Um, Janelle saw him first and came swimming toward me and told me, and I went over. I did get some video shots of it, uh, but they were probably twenty. Barracuda, all the same size, not very big, uh, you know, 18 inches to 20 inches, maybe somewhere in that range, and uh, all schooled up, swimming in the same direction. I that was that was news to me. Um, and then on the reef itself, oh my gosh, hundreds of thousands of what I call aquarium fish, just everything that you've ever seen in an aquarium, from an inch or two long, brightly colored to four or five inches, lots of wrasse. Lots of um, oh, the parrotfish. My gosh, I, I've never seen that many different colored parrotfish in one place. So to, yesterday's was pretty special because the combination of the reef, the sea fans, and the beauty of the reef mixed with those deep edges uh, brought in an awful lot of fish, of, of a, whole, a whole lot of different species of fish, and uh, got some good video and got some good photographs, which I'll be adding to that uh, YouTube thing when I get that all put together. Some tips for viewing on the reef. When you're actually in the water, facing the water with your mask, number one, you need to use something to clear the mask with. They usually use soap, uh, a little dish soap and water mixed together to rub inside the mask. You rinse it out and that keeps it from fogging. There's also defoggers that you can buy. They come in a little dropper bottle. You just drop them in there, stir around with your fingertips and rinse. By all means, use that because the difference in temperature of air and water is enough in the Florida Keys to where you're almost always going to get a fogged up mask unless you use a defogger of some of some sort. Um, best viewing on the bottom is with the sun at your back. Uh, just think photography. Those of you that take pictures and understand photography know that your best pictures are when the sun is at your back, uh, on shining over your shoulder onto the subject, not turning around the other way and staring into the sun, which gives you nothing but a silhouette. The same basic thing happens when you're over a reef. If you find yourself swimming toward the sun, there's a glare and there are many, many things you're going to miss because you lose the edge detail on the reef. You lose, especially around sea fans, coral, sponges, things like that. So um, what I like to do is swim away, swim to the farthest edge to the sun, turn around and then swim back very slowly and you get to see more detail than you can imagine. So keep the sun at your back. Um, that, I'd say that's my number one tip along with making sure that you use some sort of defogger on the mask. Um, and also, remember, relax and enjoy. Not a lot of people do this. A lot of people are freaking out in the water. They've heard stories. It's like there's kudas, there's sharks and all this stuff. Yeah, they're out there. But relax. Just just take your time and, and, and work slowly. You're not in a big It's not a race to go see how much of the reef you can possibly see. And as a matter of fact, the slower you go, the more likely you're going to see something very, very special. You know, to me, it's like the moray eel or the octopus or the lobster that comes crawling out of the hole when you least expect it. That's that's the stuff that I love looking at when I'm snorkeling. 
Now, keep in mind, there's also private snorkel trips available. And these are all up and down the Keys, of course. Lots of them here in Key Largo. Uh, that'll usually cover two spots, two drops, depending on the length of the trip and the weather, things like that. But but generally, when you when you do a private, that's how it works. The private is for up to six people. Now, when I say private, it can be a mixed private. So in other words, if there's two of you, you by yourself, there's a chance that you'll be on the boat with four or five others. And the cost will be split amongst you. Uh, the cost for the boat is about 400 to $500 for the trip. So the more people you like, if you can get six people on from the family, then that's that obviously or friends is even better. That cuts your expenses down quite a bit. The advantage, the boat's yours. The trip is yours. The locations are going to be yours. You can pretty much go with the captain and select kind of like what you want to do and what you want to see. Cost wise, it's not that much more, believe it. And like a group trip, by the time you pay a group trip and you pay for your mass snorkel and fins, you're at about 60 bucks a piece. On a private trip at say $500 doing the math, you're going to be at around $85 a piece. Um, you're going to have more time on the water and you're going to have more time to visit two reef spots instead of one. So you might want to investigate into that and see if that's worth, worth it or not for you. All right, next on my list is hookah. Or hookaling. <laughs> I'll spell it for you. H O O K A H L I N G. Hookling. Hookling. And now it's not, you know, that's not what you think. <laughs> Some of you old dudes out there, you old hippies. <laughs> What's hookah? <laughs> anyway, it's 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 really very, very cool. This is nothing more than snorkeling with an air supply. Okay. Does that make sense? In other words, you're not wearing anything on your body. You don't have tanks on. You don't have a regulator or a BC, I should say, buoyancy compensating vest or any of that kind of stuff. But what you do have is a mask. Um, in some cases, uh, uh, it's a mouthpiece. So we'll just we'll, we'll we'll call it a regulator. That's really what it is. And fins. The difference is you are getting an air supply, and it's usually from a small compressor located on a boat or in a float. So it's above you. The restrictions to diving are, you can't dive more than 10 or 15 feet down in most cases. Um, some are powered by little gas engines, and a lot of the new ones are electric. Um, so you get in the water, you put the regulator in your mouth, the air starts from a compressor above you, and you can swim, free swim all around without having to worry about diving with the snorkel or holding your breath. You, you can basically go down and, and swim at 10 feet, 15 feet below the surface. It's very cool. It became, it's, it's not so much unlike snorkeling. It's very similar. It became really, really popular at uh, the big resorts located on the islands throughout the Caribbean uh, because uh, it doesn't require any licensed training. And um, it, it's a way to sell a dive to people without having to be certified in scuba and scuba being uh, tanks and all. We'll get into that in just a minute. So hookahs, I would say it's, it's fairly new. Not really. It's been going on for quite a while. It's just it just recently, it's it's become quite perfected. I was lucky to see a, a, some gear at the ICAST show up in Orlando this past summer. The ICAST is the big um, fishing show. Actually, it's fishing outdoors. Anything has to do with water, <laughs> but mostly um, fishing and outdoor sports like that, kayaking, things like that. But there were a couple of organizations there, a couple of companies there, I should say, that had gear that was designed for hookah. And one of them that I liked, one of them that I looked at, I thought, man, this is really cool, was by a company called Blue, just like it sounds, B-L-U-E. And the product name on it was the Nemo. 
Yeah, we know who they named that after. <laughs> anyway, it sells for about 900 bucks. Actually, I think it was like 12.99 originally, and I just looked it up before I started my podcast and now they've got some well, it could be price reductions for Christmas, but it's down around $900 right now. Um what made this system so attractive to me was that it used a regulator to deliver air to the diver versus just a mouthpiece. So a lot of these early systems, all it was is, is it's pumping a stream of air down to you, and it's up to you to breathe and figure out a way to expel it. So in other words, you're kind of blowing against the air coming in, if that makes sense, which can be quite annoying and something you have to learn to do and regulate yourself. This product used an honest-to-goodness regulator, which I believe is why the cost is as high as it is. A regulator is what's used in scuba. What, what that is, is as air is delivered and you breathe out, it stops the airflow. The airflow coming in will halt for a minute while you exhale. And then when you exhale again, it pops back open and the air comes in. And the regulation can be set according to you, to, to the person. Are you a heavy breather? Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you a youngster? You can actually set this in the regulator. Well, that's exactly what this piece of gear uses is this regulator. And it's it's genius, basically. Uh, the tubing on it will get you down to 10 feet. Um, and it is fully battery operated. Um, a lot of these things nowadays have got these battery systems on them that are just incredible. They work extremely well. Uh, it's fully waterproof. It sits in a float. So you have to picture like a little ring that you'd put a kid in, a little kid in. It sits in a ring. It's got a dive flag sitting on it, on top of it. And then it's got the uh, tube running down to your regulator. And so you just pop it in your mouth. You need a mask, obviously, and you need a set of fins and you're good to go. This thing can be towed around behind you. So it's not fixed. It's not anchored. It's not on a boat. It's basically just above you as you swim. Uh, it was just the coolest thing I've, I've seen yet in this particular, uh, in the hookah uh, 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 portion of, of being able to snorkel dive. Um, there's also extra battery packs available. So you can have a second one charged on a boat, for example, or at the beach. You can just go back and pop one battery off, pop another battery on and go right back in the water. It was very quiet when they ran it. It didn't make a whole lot of noise. A lot of these things that have a pump on them, you know, they make that vibration thing. It was very, very quiet. Uh, so I thought the thing was pretty cool. Um, so check it out. I mean, if you're interested in doing something, you're snorkeling, you like doing this, I could see where somebody doing boat maintenance would love this thing. I was thinking outside the the box when the guy was showing it to me. You know, we had when I worked in the marina, we had a lot of guys that would come in in scuba gear to clean bottoms of boat, to remove props off of bigger boats uh, for repair, things like that. This thing would be ideal for something like that. Oh, and by the way, you would need like a, some sort of weight system. So there's a vest thing that you put on that's attached to you that attaches the hose to the regulator. But you need extra weight to go down. So remember that when you're breathing air, you're buoyant. <laughs> you're going to go bounce right back to the surface no matter how hard you try to stay down. So it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to get yourself a lightweight uh, diving belt. And those allow you to put different size weights in there based on your size, structure, your buoyancy of your body, things like that. So that would probably be a really good addition to have with this. But I found it really, really cool. Um, and it was it was very well built and 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 really, really something I would consider. And I'm I don't I don't I don't know, see it in my future. I'd rather be on top fishing than I would be snorkeling. I think if I snorkel, I'd just go out with somebody and snorkel. But if you're interested in doing that dive part, it's pretty cool. And then there's scuba. Uh, Janelle and I are both certified divers. 
<laughs> yeah, we're certified, all right. <laughs> Certifiable. <laughs> no, seriously, we're certified divers. However, uh, we, we haven't done it in so long. We need to go take a refresher course. And I guess I'll do my little spot here for that. Just tell you that if you haven't been diving in a while and you are a certified diver, uh, you really do need to go back and get recertified. It's not a big thing. It's just, you know, you go back and go to a couple of classes and, you know, familiarize yourself with stuff because uh, scuba is, it's complicated, but at the same time, it's magical. Um, cumbersome above the water, but like flying underwater is the way I always described it to people that asked. It's like you have all this gear, you have mass, snorkel, fins, uh, buoyancy compensator known as the BC in the business, regulator, tank, weights, uh, a knife in your sock, you know, in case you get tangled up in something, cut yourself free. There, there's lots to learn. Uh, and, but the most important part is dive times and rest periods and understanding what nitrogen will do in your system if you, do, if you come up too rapidly and do anything really, really stupid. So you never, ever want the bend. So there's a lot going on here that you really, really need to study uh, to get into it. But Despite the drawbacks of how cumbersome and weird and awful heavy you feel on surface, it is just unbelievably magical underwater. It's like flying, like flying underwater. It allows for exploration of depths of about 50 to 60 feet. So there are people that go much, much deeper, and there are people that, that dive professionally at deeper depths and for different reasons. But for the average um, diver, uh, certified trained diver, you're, you're going to do maybe uh, 38 to 68 feet of water. I'd say it's probably a good a good average. Uh, most of the places that Janelle and I dove, the wrecks that we dove, the bottom of the wreck would be sitting in 65 feet of water, and the superstructure would be up in maybe 30 feet. So there's a tremendous range that these ships um, sit in, uh, and that's what gives you that weird flying effect when you're working around them. <clears throat> For deeper dives, you need to get advanced diver certification, which is a good thing whether you use it or not. More info and training is always a good thing, in my opinion. Um, there's also nothing quite like diving down to 100 feet. And I remember my first experience somewhat darker uh, than the normal light that you have when you're doing 48 to 60 feet of water. From sunlight, it, it, it dims rather quickly. Spooky, I guess would be a good word for it, um, sort of. It's hard to explain. Your, your visibility outwards not as great, but this feeling of, um, I don't know, you look up and the surface is very far away. 100 feet is not that far till you're underwater. <laughs> and it's like, holy cow. Um, but it is really, really cool. The pressure is certainly noticeable. There's a big difference between 45, 50 feet of water, and then at 100 feet, you can really feel the pressure. You can feel it on your lungs as you try to breathe. You can feel it on your body as you as you move around. It's a it's a very different feeling than half that depth. Um, there are some really cool things about the advanced training too. You'll go through having to learn how to. Uh, you'll do a night dive, for example, and there. Oh, there's nothing works. I love night. There's some people that just hate night dives. Scares the bejeebers out of them. I liked it. Uh, there's a thing called phosphorescence. Um, what that is is salt water in, inherently has phosphor in it, and there are times when it's much higher than other times, but it's always there. 
And when you turn all the lights out underwater at night, it is pitch black dark. You cannot see your hand. You know that old, you can't see your hand in front of your face? You really can't. You can't see anything. But if you run your hand through the water quickly in front of you, it creates sparkles of light like, um, I don't know, like the wand of a, you know, the princess wand, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's beautiful. Um, generally greenish in color. And uh, it, it, you, the more you do it with your hand, the more sparkles come out to where it actually starts to light the water in front of you. It's really very, very cool. And that's something that happens on the night dives. And that's part of getting your advanced diver certification, of course, as well as going deep and feeling that unique pressure that you didn't feel when you were doing uh, the shallower dives. Something that I enjoyed uh, on the deep dives was these schools of fish. And I'm talking big fish. You saw a great big grouper. Um, I remember the dive that the first dive that I did with you know, we, our, our checkout dive for our advanced diver. We went down to about 90 feet, I guess it was. And we were surrounded by a school of amberjack, of which the amberjack, the smallest fish, had to be 50 to 60 pounds. And this was not just like a school of 10. This was like a school of 100 fish went down and around this wreck. It was absolutely mesmerizing. Scuba diving also allows you to do things that you wouldn't do snorkeling. You can do it, don't get me wrong. Free diving and snorkeling allows you to uh, spearfish, hunt for lobster, things like that. But it allows you to do it more efficiently in the lobster realm. Um, most of us that live here in Florida love Florida lobster. It's a seasonal catch, open right now as a matter of fact. And the ability to be a scuba diver it just opens it way up for being able to go out and get a, a legal uh maximum catch for that you know getting your bag limit uh, which by the way in the florida keys is six per person and on the east coast of florida over like in fort lauderdale miami that area is 12 per person up into the palm beach county area so uh, if you dive there considerably more and by the way diving off of that coast is beautiful too don't just because you're getting out of the keys doesn't mean you're losing the quality of a dive it's it's absolutely gorgeous on the uh, east coast as well um, so it opens up the, uh, that also, I like the exploration part of it. Um, I love wreck diving. That was my favorite thing. Reef diving is fine. Hunting for lobster. That's okay too. But going to see a ship on the bottom that's 400 feet in length and has a relief to the surface of, you know, 40 feet or so from the bottom, maybe 50 feet on the top of the towers and things on the ship. I just found that spectacular. When you first hit the water and you dive, you can't make it out. You start diving down no more than 10 or 15 feet down. All of a sudden you see the superstructure of the ship. And then the ship kind of opens up in front of you as you, as you submerge. There's just nothing quite like that. And the sea life, oh my gosh. The, the sea life is amazing when you get down there. Um, also, a great many of the ships that you dive have what they call relief holes cut in them. So what they've done is they've safetyized it. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> For divers by cutting holes in the ship to where you can swim in and out of the ship. Uh, a couple of them were fantastic. You could swim into the hold. You can swim up and down the companionways into the captain's quarter. There was one out there that actually had the head on board, had the toilet in the head, and people would sit on the toilet and wave and take pictures while they're diving. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, but there it was. Um, one of the dives that we did had two of the largest Goliath grouper on it I think I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, never, ever caught one like this. I'd say probably... 
in the neighborhood of 600 pounds or better. These, the two of them lived together under one of the wrecks off of Fort Lauderdale. And, um, it was, um, it, you know, it was just, it was like just a pair of these things would come out and greet you as you, as you came down toward the wreck, they would come out and come up to look at you. And they look like Volkswagens. I mean, they were, like I said earlier in the podcast, things appear larger in the water. These things looked huge in the water. And it was very intimidating. You'd see divers come down that had never been on that dive before, and they would stop and just like, what in the world? This thing could probably eat me. And it it probably could if it really wanted to. So things like that, giant nurse sharks, uh, huge moray eels. I love the morays. They're really fantastic looking underwater. Um, and then, of course, the sharks themselves. I mean, you'd be down there when something would pass by that would take your breath away. Like, what is that? Big lemon shark, great big bulls, things like that. Hold still. Don't fidget. Everything's fine. You're in there with them. It's their territory. You know, let them go by. But I found all that to be really, really fantastic about scuba diving. And uh, if my back wasn't so bad, I'd do it again. That's one of the one of the biggest problems you have with scuba is the weight of the equipment out of water. There are a lot of services out there that will help people like myself get back in the water and be able to dive with the equipment on. Because once you go in the water, of course, it's it's almost weightless. It doesn't weigh anywhere near what it weighs when you're trying to sit on, put it on in a, on a boat. Uh, so that's something to be aware of too, when you're, when you're learning to do these dives. Um, but it's, it's great fun. You get to see things that you're not, you normally never see otherwise, except on maybe TV or something and experiencing itself. It, it, it really is incredible and I'd highly recommend doing it. So give it a try. I mean, there's a lot to see under the sea. I guess the remarks from the snorkelers getting back on the boat the other day is what prompted me to do this podcast. After returning, the prime examples were like, did you see that? Or did you see that big fish? What was that thing? Did you see this? And I heard it over and over again. You know, what they saw was a shark and what they saw was a big barracuda. Those are the things that you see down there. And, and it, was, it was nice to see the wonder in these people's eyes that were getting back on the snorkel boat for, after their first time in the water. It's, it's, it's really pretty remarkable, and I'd, I'd highly recommend giving it a try. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoy listening, please tell a friend, leave a review, and subscribe to the channel. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and it's available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Website's waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.